maybe I need to improve how I communicate the value of the project. Like, of course, if I ask someone to make me a custom hat and they put a price tag of like $20,000 on it, I'm going to be like, say what? But I don't know, maybe the hat's made out of gold. And if they don't communicate that, then of course I'm going to be like, say what? But if they communicate it's made out of gold, then I'm going to be like, oh yeah, of course, that makes sense that it's going to be $20,000 or whatever. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Charlie. And I'm Femke. And in this episode, we're going to talk about client onboarding. So we're going to be discussing a little bit about how we bring clients on board. And I guess I'll probably be sharing a lot of my process in this episode as I do a bit more freelancing than you do, Charlie. Yeah, that's right. I'm really looking forward to learning from you in this one, actually. I think you've got a lot of good stuff to share. Oh, gosh, I hope so. Uh, But (laughs) I think it will still be interesting to hear how you've done it in the past anyway with the client work that you have done. So, yeah, really looking forward to this episode. But the weekly check-in first. Well, now I think chicken every time. I know. Since we said it last week and that my friend Hannah thought we said chicken, we've had people tweeting us saying, but I thought you really were saying chicken. I thought it was some sort of in-joke. <laughs> maybe we should call it a catch-up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like, just for clarification, so there's check-in and chicken. <laughs> but anyway, how are you? How have you been? I've been doing okay. Uh, The flat hunt has been consuming my life. I can't remember last week if I mentioned that I was having to move. So yeah, flat hunting is like a full-time job in London, but I think I've found a place I like and I hope that I'm not going to listen to this episode in a week's time and be really sad about it. Touch wood. But yeah, fingers crossed. Good luck. That's been my life. So side projects have had to fall a bit to the wayside. I did, however, get launched finally, a project that I first talked about on this podcast, actually. My... um, Artwork for alternate singles is what I've called it. And this is where each month I design a new like album cover for a song that I feel could have been released as a single. So it never was, so it never actually got artwork associated with it. So it's me being inspired by the song, I guess, and the meaning behind it and giving it some artwork. I'll put a link in the show notes, but yeah, I'm really excited about it and really proud of it and looking forward to doing more. So what's the sort of underlying goal or or reason that you're doing this new side project? Well, I really want to be designing for the music industry, as I think I've talked about before. And I don't really have many projects in my portfolio yet that is related to that type of client. So that's my goal is to, I suppose, get my name out there and start being known for that sort of thing. I know it'll take a while, but I'm okay with that. I feel like I'm on the right path at least. Yeah, that's really smart. I feel like that ties in with our recent episode about defining a niche and yeah. like doing those kinds of projects, even if they're just side projects, but doing those kind of projects that attract to sort of the niche or, or in your case, like the clients in the audience that you want to align yourself with. So hopefully you putting out those you know monthly album covers will attract people who are interested in potentially getting one for their for the, for themselves you know and you might get a real project yeah fingers crossed how's your week been though yeah i've had a i've had a good week i'm you know just trucking along with things and not much really to report i'm a bit light on client work at the moment but I'm kind of okay with it because the weather's really nice and so (laughs) I'm just kind of enjoying the summer a bit and still putting in 
some plans for my magazine. So I recently went to a printer cool. and discussed a bit more about like paper and price and binding and all of those kind of paper things. There's so much about paper that I never knew. I'm sure print designers listening to this are like, yep, like the struggle is real. We deal with it every day. Uh, but the whole thing has been a complete new learning experience for me. So it's, it's been going really well. I'm just trying to get a quote and see whether the whole project is going to be feasible, basically. I hope so. That's awesome. I'm sure you'll find a way to make it work. And it's cool for you to be learning about all this print stuff too, even though that's not really what you do day to day. I think it's really useful as a designer to know about that sort of stuff. Yeah, totally. I'm hoping it'll come in handy. Like, unlike your sort of music side project, I'm not necessarily using the magazine as a way to like move into print design and like attract, you know, people that want a magazine made and that kind of stuff. But I am using it as a way to, you know, learn something and create something for myself, something tangible for once. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I hope it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, so you said at the moment you're a bit light on client work, but I know in the past you've had a lot of, you know, requests come in for work. And I, what you've talked about before, how you actually turn a lot of them down. I think it was episode 13 that we discussed the reason why both of us really, but mostly you prefer to attract clients rather than go out and find them. And even though we've got a whole episode about that that people should go listen to, I think that it would be good to just do a quick recap of why that is, because I think that sort of sets up this whole onboarding process, right? It'd be a completely different situation, Mm -hmm. the onboarding, if you were to go out and hunt for a client than if they came to you, right? Totally. So, I mean, that's a good point to note is that my client onboarding process is a lot about, you know, attracting people. Uh, I I don't really have the whole pre-process of like actually going out and seeking clients that a lot of freelancers do have so like you won't find me on Fiverr or Elance or Freelancer.com or any of those sort of freelance marketplaces Uh, yeah and I'm not saying that those places are bad like I I just personally would rather not go that route like I know that there are people who are probably you know making success out of those platforms otherwise those platforms wouldn't exist but for me personally I rather not take that route and attract clients instead because I feel like that's a much better way to get quality you know valuable leads and inquiries and you know I I get leads from people who actually want to work with me personally rather than if I was on a marketplace they're probably sending that you know that brief to like hundreds of other designers and then it just becomes like a price competition of who can offer the lowest and the dirtiest and the cheapest you know offer yeah and that's never a good time I think you're always going to get better quality work and it's going to be a better working relationship if the client is the one who approaches you first but anyway we've got a whole other episode about that that anyone listening should definitely go back and listen to because I really like that episode yes so onboarding then first of all just to check we're on the same page, this means like when you have a new client email you, this is the process that you put them through to first, I suppose, validate the job and tease the brief out of them. Because as we've talked about before, in the real world, you don't just get handed a perfect brief with all of the information necessary. Yep. <laughs> so I suppose your onboarding process is where you find out all that stuff and right up until getting started on the job, right? Does that definition make sense? 
Yeah, it's kind of like a sales funnel, I guess, or like a sales process. Yeah. So it's kind of that process of like, you know, someone gets in touch with you about wanting to work with you. And then it's that process in between that takes you from that initial inquiry to actually starting the project. Because there is a process there. You know, it's not just, you know, unfortunately, it's not as easy as the client sending you, you know, everything that you need to know in that first initial email and you're going, yep, I'll start later this afternoon. You know, like it <laughs> it doesn't work that way, at least from my experience and from what I've heard from other designers. So there's definitely a process there that has to happen for you to get from, you know, client inquiry to actually starting on the project. So it's important to have an onboarding process so that you can find out the information, but are there any other benefits I suppose to, to having it? Yeah definitely I use it a lot to validate you know whether the client or the project is for me as well because I don't take on every project that comes my way and that could be for a series of reasons you know that could be because maybe I'm not interested in it maybe I don't have the skills maybe the scope's too big maybe the the client or the company that it's for is not something that I want to align myself with or don't find particularly interesting you know there's lots of different factors that can come into play there that sort of helps me determine whether the project or or I guess the client is someone that I want to take on further. Yeah that makes sense because it is a two-way thing working with clients which I think some creatives tend to forget and you tend to go with the old adage of the customer is always right but I think with creative projects and working with clients it really is a two-way street and you do need to be in collaboration and have you know good teamwork. Yeah, and I think when you start out, it's very easy to just take everything on that comes your way. You know, I think we're like so desperate in the beginning to just get work, like any kind of work. Yeah. And, you know, I'll admit, I did that for my first year of freelancing. I took on literally every single project that came my way. And I also stuck all of them up on my portfolio. And I would you know, I kind of cringe at that now, but it was a learning experience. It wasn't the greatest time because I just took on anything, even if I wasn't particularly interested or excited in it. And I stuck it all up in my portfolio. So all it did was attract more of that type of work. And so I kind of decided to make the shift of becoming a bit more conscious of which type of work I take on. And I use that sort of onboarding process to filter through and find the projects that I think have the most value for me that I can provide the most value to the client for and potentially turn into a case study or or something that I can share on my website to attract more of those type of projects. I find too that not that I would say I have a very structured onboarding process. I It's not something that I've written down and like planned. I sort of just wing it, which I know is bad and I should not do that. (laughs) At least you have one. (laughs) I mean, not really. If it's not written down, it's not a process, right? But (laughs) anyway, I've I've found that uh, having some form of, you know, onboarding in general, not even a process, just onboarding as a concept can help later on down the line with projects when there's, I don't know, it means everything's up front, right, about the price, about what the project's going to involve from both of you. That's all part of onboarding and setting expectations, I suppose, is is the term I'm looking for. Yeah, and there's another really great benefit of sort of streamlining this process or, or at least creating a process out of your onboarding, and that is that it saves you time. If you have to keep writing the same type of emails or creating the same kind of 
documents about yourself and and what you offer and your services and that kind of stuff to every single client, you're going to spend so much time doing that. And so I've kind of turned my onboarding process into, I guess, you know, it's a bit more streamlined now. Like I have a document that I send out that sort of talks about everything that I offer. And, you know, I do have a couple of sort of saved email replies that I use. But, you know, I obviously will modify them if needed, you know, to tailor to the situation or whatever. But at least that gives me like a nice baseline that I can use each time and sort of modify to save me time. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I, how did you start your process? Like, how did this process come to be? Because what I'm feeling at the moment is that perhaps I haven't had enough like clients yet where I've been doing onboarding with them to figure out exactly what needs to go into my process. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know how you came up with yours, I suppose. Is it something you've had since the start or has it been something that you figured out along the way? Definitely something I've figured out along the way. And I don't think it's perfect yet. It's still something that I'm refining and I'll do a bit of trial and error, you know, sometimes with with different clients and see what sticks. Uh, But I guess I should maybe share what my process is. Yes, please do. (laughs) So what happens is the client gets in touch and then I'll send them a getting started guide, which sort of includes like that information about what I offer and it has some client testimonials in it, etc. And then that links to a questionnaire, which is a series of questions that helps to uncover a little bit more about the specifics of the project, maybe like what their needs and goals are. And then with that information, I turn that into a proposal, which then gets sent to the client and, you know, let's say it gets approved. And then I'll send them a contract, which again, let's say they sign and approve. And then I send the invoice for a down payment, which they pay. And then the project starts. And at the moment, that I, I think it's too long. I think there's too many steps there for the client to take. And so I would like to reduce that. But I'm, I haven't figured out how yet. So I'm kind of doing a bit of research to figure out how I can make that a little bit shorter because I find a lot of the time my clients or my my potential clients will drop off at the sort of phase where I need more information from them. So when I send them a link to the questionnaire, that's usually when they sort of start dropping off. And I think that's because, you know, maybe I'm asking too much of them. Maybe that questionnaire is too long and they look at it and are like, oh my gosh, that's too many questions. I don't have the time for this. And so I'm sort of thinking that it could be better to jump on a phone call instead and just like for 15 minutes, talk it out. Interesting. Where I sort of initially got the idea to make these things part of my process is from a range of different places, really. I'd done a bit of research reading some blogs like the uh, Allen Company blog is a really good one when it comes to sort of marketing and working with clients. Uh, also, Paul Jarvis has a really great course, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the podcast before called The Creative Class. And in there, he talks a lot about process and pitch and positioning and, you know, sort of onboarding clients and what sort of things you should include in that onboarding process. So it's kind of been a mixture of like picking things from different places. And now it's just turned into a process that I think is a little bit too long. Interesting that you say that because... 
when I was listening to you going through a process, every step makes sense and like it all seems yeah. essential. Like you can't start working on the project if you have more questions because it's just going to not turn out to be a good project. Yeah. So I was glad when you said that maybe you'd replace it with a phone call because I think then you're still getting the same information from them. It's just maybe less intimidating for the client. But also, I, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking that if the client isn't willing to answer a few questions to help you do the best job you can, then are they a good client, you know, if they're not willing to give you all the information you need to do well at solving their problem. Exactly. And I think that's why potentially a 15-minute call right at the start, like before I send them anything, is a great way to validate whether the client's worth it or not. Because if they can't even show up for a 15-minute phone call to talk about their project that they have a deadline on, then I don't think it's worth my time, you know? Yeah, totally. And maybe, you know, with the world being, you know, you work globally, right, with people all over the place. Yeah. So perhaps you could offer them either the phone call or the questionnaire. So if they're happier to do that, then then that could be a thing they could do instead. But you're giving them the phone call if the questionnaire seems too intimidating. Yeah, true. And I'm wondering if instead of sending like the proposal and the contract as like two different sequential steps, just sending both of them, like being like, yeah, that would make sense. here's the proposal. If you're happy with it, I've also attached the contract, which you can sign and send back and, you know, we can get started. And so merging that into one step potentially could be a better way to go. That sounds like a really smart idea, actually, because it had put that call to action right there in their face as well, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, that's smart. So do you ever have clients, I mean, you said that some of them struggle with the questionnaire side of the process. Is it that, what what kind of questions do you ask? Are they hard to answer? Like, I feel like as creatives, sometimes we talk about things in a very different way to other people, you know, and we can get that what we understand what we need to know to create a good website or whatever whereas other people are probably thinking oh it's really useful if I tell them I want a big header photo and it's got to have my logo in the top left corner you know so is that covered in your getting started guide what sort of information you need to know from them not in my getting started guide so it's not until they get to the questionnaire that they see the questions which also that could be you know something that I could improve upon is making that less of a surprise and sort of outlining the expectation of what I'm going to require from them more upfront. And the type of questions that I ask are a lot about trying to uncover the value of the project. So I use value-based pricing, which means that I don't charge per hour or a day rate. I charge for the entire project. And that's based on the value of the project. So the type of questions are things like, you know, uncovering their goals, like what are you hoping that this project will help you achieve in the business? You know, like, do you want to increase sales? Do you want to increase newsletter subscribers? You know, those kind of questions. Uh, Also a lot about uncovering like what their current pain points are, like where the current problems lie and where, where they're struggling and where there's sort of a need for something to be improved upon. Yeah, it makes sense. All of those don't seem that scary, you know? They seem like things that clients should know the answers to, and if not, then I'd worry about them. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess because quite a lot of the time, you know, for the client, this is their first time ever working with a designer, you know? And so it's really up to me to sort of, I guess, educate them on, you know, this is how the process works. And, you know, maybe... Maybe they see those questions and are like, oh my gosh, this is harder than I thought. Like, I thought all I would have to do is send her the logo, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, that's unfortunately, some people are just always going to think that, right? But I don't think that your questionnaire is default there from the sounds of it. It sounds like it's just the people, unfortunately. Yeah, I definitely think offering it like potentially as a phone call or written could help because, you know, people prefer different things and depending on how much time they have maybe they prefer to express it you know verbally rather than typing it down so yeah I think that's something that I should start including yeah that would be great because people can express themselves in different ways right like you could have a client who's dyslexic for example and they're not going to feel like they're going to get their point across properly if they're trying to write it down or it might take them too long you know to figure it out but whereas they'd be really great at talking to you about it over the phone Whereas I, for example, hate phone calls, so I would prefer to write it down. Yeah, well, I'm a little bit the same. Like, it does kind of, you know, I have like that 10-second moment of panic before calling a client. I think everybody (laughs) does, though. Yeah. But once you're on the phone call, like, it's just so much easier. It's You gain clarity so much quicker and eliminate so many back-and-forth email trails of, like, questions trying to you know, confirm something or like dig deeper into something and clarify. Doing that over a 15 minute phone call is just such a time saver. So yeah, I found that a a recent freelance project I did, which is not even that recent, but that shows how much freelance work I do. It was back in November, I think. And it was the design of a calendar for a YouTuber for his merch. And actually he suggested it, which was really good. He was like, can we jump on a Skype call so I can like tell you my ideas? Because, you know, that was how he preferred to communicate was by talking, which makes sense because he's a YouTuber. Um, So instead of, you know, typing out what he needed in the email, he wanted to be able to chat it through with me. And that was really useful. We actually hopped on Skype so we could see each other as well. It just made the, a bit bit more personal, I suppose, more of a connection and felt more like a team, I guess. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, is that when you take on a project, you're also creating a relationship with that client. And so you're going to have to work with them, you know, probably pretty closely throughout the project. And so getting on a Skype call, I think, is such a great way to see, you know, whether you're a good fit together, like what is, what is the vibe you're getting from them? You know, how do, how do you converse with them and do you get along? Because that's really important as well. I'm wondering, do you have different questionnaires for different types of work? Or I suppose you mainly do web websites, right? So you've probably got just one questionnaire that's about websites? Yeah, at the moment we have, so if you go to sort of our contact page or work with us on the website, uh, and if there's a little drop down and if you select work with us, there's a series of questions there. And so those are like the same, no matter what sort of project it is but I do also behind the scenes have a client homework which already the name of that makes me cringe (laughs) because it makes it like a chore so I really need to fix that Uh, but that I don't use for every project I only use that if the answers that they've given in the initial questionnaire are super vague so if I want to like go a bit deeper and sort of you know pull it out of them a bit more then I send them this client homework which Usually those questions are tailored a little bit to the specific situation or type of project, but they're still like about the general questions, like about the value and the needs and the goals and that kind of thing. Okay, so the homework is a series of extra questions. Yeah. If you haven't gotten enough from the first questionnaire, because that's what what I was going to ask as well, is if you find you get all the information you need or if you have to go back to them a lot. Because I find when I'm working with clients, there is quite a lot of back and forth. And I think a questionnaire would really help me 
uh, like eliminate so many emails, which would be definitely a good thing. And I could think about all the questions I need to ask beforehand. And yeah, but like I said, I think I just need to do a bit more client work first to work out exactly what those questions need to be for me. Yeah. Do you, when the client approaches you for the first time and they don't mention anything about budget or anything, do you ask them what their budget is? No, I don't because I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. I want, yeah, you know, that that's not really relevant to me. If they do mention it and it's really low, then I'll just be like, uh, it's not worth even trying to convince you that it's worth higher. You know, that happens a lot, uh, mostly with like sponsored YouTube work. I'll get emails from brands saying, oh, can you make a video for us? Here's $50. I'll be like, no, I mean, no, just no. Yeah. <laughs> But I prefer to hear about the client's project first. Um, I don't think I would go so far as to say I do value-based pricing because I I don't really know how to find out what the project is worth to them in like monetary terms to work out what the value is, you know, to base my pricing off that. But I do base it off what they want to achieve with it and, you know, what I know of the client and also on how much of my time I want to spend on it, you know. If it's a project I'm really excited about working on, then I might be willing to do it for less than a project that, you know, would be good to have in my portfolio, but I'm not quite as excited about. Mm. Yeah. So I basically, as you can tell, don't have a proper system in place yet. But one thing I definitely don't do is ask the client for their budget. I prefer to just tell them what it's going to cost. And if they then try and argue me down or if they just, you know, it's flat out not right for them, then that's fine and we haven't wasted too much time. Yeah, so I, at the moment, am the same. I don't ask them for a budget, but I've had a situation where I then got to the proposal stage, so I created a proposal, which, if you remember the process I said earlier, actually takes quite a few steps to get to that stage. So I created this proposal, and it turns out that it was just, like, way out of their budget. Like, they were thinking, you know, way, way, way less. And that kind of you know, sparked me to think, you know, man, maybe I should ask for budgets because I don't want to get myself in situations where, you know, everything's like happy as Larry and oh yeah, all sounds good. Great. This project sounds awesome. And, you know, I invest like two hours of my time up until the point where I send the proposal and it's just like way out of what they were thinking. And, you know, that's, I wouldn't say that's a waste of my time because I'm definitely learning something along the way, but I think I could be smarter about how much time I put into that to try and, like, I think it's better for me to first try and validate whether it's actually worth getting to that stage or not, but I don't want to ask them their budget because I'm the same as you. I don't really care, but also I don't want to waste our time. Yeah, maybe that will that time saving will come from streamlining your process more uh yeah rather rather than asking them to, for their budget first up because i feel like that sort of sets off on the wrong foot and like asking what someone's budget is is saying how much do you want to spend on this like how much do you want to give me which is not like relevant you know you go into a shop and you don't have the shopkeeper say what's your budget for this t-shirt yeah you know you're going to pay the price that it says on the tag. And it's the same with design work, really. You, if you want the product, then you pay the price for it. And in this case, the price is your fee for, you know, designing and building the site that they want. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think if I if I make these improvements that I'm thinking of to my process, then 
maybe that will help me uncover or identify earlier or sooner as to whether the client's a right fit financially for me. Like maybe I need to ask some better questions to help uncover, you know, where their financial mind sits. Yeah, maybe there could be things like, I don't know if it's legit to ask people like what their marketing budget is or something like that. I don't know. With uh, startups, there's often uh, like public figures and things, right, that you could could look yeah. at. Or, yeah, it's difficult with small businesses, though. I'm not really sure what you could ask, but it does sound like you need to get on the same page. But also, this is a learning experience for the client too, right? If they're coming to you thinking that a website is going to cost, you know, $200 or something, and then they realize, oh, actually, this is a lot of work and, you know, this is going to be mean way more for me than I initially thought it would like it's having a website is more than just having a shop front online you know it can it can work hard for you with SEO and things and yeah getting people to buy into your brand so they're going to realize hopefully that a website is worth much more to them so it's going to cost a lot more than they initially thought too. Yeah so that's potentially another thing maybe I need to improve how I communicate the value of the project like of course, if I ask someone to make me a custom hat and they put a price tag of like $20,000 on it, I'm going to be like, say what? But, you know, <laughs> if they, I don't know, maybe the hat's made out of gold. And if they yeah. don't communicate that, then of course I'm going to be like, say what? But if they communicate it's made out of gold, then I'm going to be like, oh yeah, of course, that makes sense that it's going to be $20,000 or whatever. And you still might not be able to afford it. But, you know, because budget can't come out of nowhere, especially with small businesses. Sometimes they just can't afford to get the help they need, right? It's just a fact, unfortunately. But at least in that situation, you'll understand why the project is costing this much. So it's going to be a better experience and you can be more like, okay, well, I'll come back when I'm rich (laughs) and buy that hat. Yeah, and it's also about like, educating the client right like especially those who have never worked with designers or developers or whatever before they have like obviously super low expectation of what it's going to cost like they have no idea the work involved in such a project that's why they're coming to you and it's up to us to educate them on how much work it is and how much it's going to cost and what the value of it is and that's where like sites like Fiverr and stuff like I cringe because how that's not helping us as individual freelancers like Fiverr is basically telling the world that it's okay to get a logo for five bucks. Yeah, it's just so damaging to the design industry, those sites, yeah. honestly. It's I, I can't believe that, you know, self-respecting designers either started those sites or whatever. Perhaps they had good intentions. I shouldn't say that because, you know, Things are only used, uh, like people invent the way they're used, right? So perhaps that they thought it would be a good place for people to get, you know, find work and get good clients. But Mm -hmm. it does just turn out to be this price gouging thing, unfortunately. And yeah, I don't know. I feel very strongly that graphic designers, web designers, any type of designers should not use those sites. There's other ways we can do it if we all can, you know, band together and do it the right way. The whole industry is going to be better off. But maybe that's that's a topic for another episode. Yeah. I could rant for a long time on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about as well. And, you know, I've yet to, like most of the freelance friends that I have are independent and they're really successful. And so, you know, I've yet to meet someone who like really raves about 
Elance. But I would love to. Like, if you're a listener listening to this and have found success on those sites, I would love to know. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to hear about because I just can't picture it being worthwhile for either the client or the designer at this stage with no processes in place or whatever. You just get the small brief that's written on there and go ahead and do it. I don't know. It would be really interesting to hear about. I wonder if also for a future episode we could talk about like the offboarding process because I found that a lot of freelancers like as soon as the project's wrapped up it's like okay thanks bye like thanks for the money but you know I think that there's still a lot that you can do on the tail end of a project to really help with your future sales and help promote yourself as well. I would love to do an episode about that because I'm sure you have a lot of great stuff to share about that as well. At the moment, I'm sort of the kind of one who goes, okay, here's the designs. (laughs) Bye. That's working with you. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's so much opportunity there to like create a long-term relationship with the client. Like why do clients just have to be like come and go, you know? So yeah, like there's that sale in in business that not sale there's that phrase in business that goes something like it's much cheaper to keep an existing customer than it is to bring on board a new yeah, one and totally. I suppose the same is true for clients if you already know them and they already understand your process and how you work it's gonna be much easier to start a project next time that's for sure so if you're listening and have any questions or want to share maybe how you offboard your clients please tweet us at design life fm and let us know I have a question for you, Fem, about starting this process because it is something I want to get in place, especially, and I want to get it in place before I start getting clients coming in, which crossing my fingers will happen with, uh, you know, the work I'm doing to attract clients at the moment. Eventually, I'm hoping that's the thing that will happen. What should I be doing to start putting a process in place? What are some steps that I and anyone else listening who might be in the same situation could take? You need to figure out the process and I know that that doesn't sound very helpful but I went through a lot of like refining like I would literally draw diagrams like this thing happens then arrow to this thing happens you know creating like that linear process and it was a lot of moving things around and figuring out you know is this part really necessary or could I do that somewhere else or maybe I could take it out altogether and it's still a refining thing. Like I said, I'm still like refining and seeing what works best. And I think the best thing to do is just create a Google Doc or create some diagrams and like write down your ideal process. And then once you've done that, push yourself further and think, okay, how can I refine this to be shorter? Or how can I automate this? Or how can I make this less steps and more informative and beneficial to the client like how can I merge three steps into one and that's the point where I'm sort of up to now but only because I've been doing this a year and only realizing now so my advice would be write out the ideal process that you think is ideal and then challenge yourself to think of how you can make that shorter. I like it basically I just need to start right and try it out and it'll be something I refine as I go I suppose yeah and it definitely is a lot of trial and error you know like you might write out what you think is the perfect process but then once you put it into practice maybe it doesn't work so you have to try it and see or identify where the pain points are where the blockers are like where are your clients falling off in that process and once you identify those areas that's the areas that you need to focus on to improve 
Yeah, it makes sense. I think the part I'm most, wor- not worried about, but like that I think I struggle with the most is the questionnaire and knowing exactly what good questions to ask clients to get, you know, the right information. But yeah, I think that is a tricky one, right? To ask the perfect question to get the perfect answer because people interpret things in different ways. And yeah, do you find you have to go back with follow-up questions often? Uh, sometimes. Some, well, that's good that it's only sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely hard trying to figure out what are the best questions to ask. And I don't think I've nailed that. But there are a lot of resources out there about, you know, which questions you should ask the client and why. So, you know, maybe just do a little bit of research or if I can find some good articles, maybe I'll link them in the show notes for you. That would be very useful. Uh, but yeah, there's no perfect set of questions basically. And every client and project is going to be different. So you're going to need to ask them different things. So yeah, no perfect answer. Makes sense. So aside from, I suppose, where else do clients struggle with this process? Do, do you ever feel awkward asking them to answer this questionnaire? Like, I don't know, if they they come to you saying, hey, I really want this designed, this is my budget, and I'd like it by this date, and then you go back to them with a questionnaire, what is their reaction normally? Uh, I don't hear from them, <laughs> 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 because I'm giving them something to do, and they want me to do the work, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and that's fair enough, because they're hiring me to do it all, so... Yeah, that's that's the reaction. I I mean, I don't get that every time, but that's definitely a reaction that I have been getting, which is why I think that that questionnaire or homework is a blockage point in my current process. It's cool that you're learning from it, but I do think that you should, you know, make sure you are still getting the information and don't, you know, not ask them the questions that you need just for the sake of the client being lazy. (laughs) Yeah, I think another thing I can improve upon is like expectations of the client you know a lot of clients think like once they sign and pay the deposit like their part's over but Mm. quite often that's where their part really begins because that's when we start working together or they need to send me assets or whatever to you know help get me started and yeah I think that could be improved upon because often like they'll get slower at replying to my emails (laughs) after they've signed yeah Interesting, isn't it? Because that's when the their work is happening and when their brief's being answered. Yeah, yeah. it is interesting. <laughs> I mean, it can go either way. Like, on the other hand, once a client signs, everything could go really fast because, you know, they've committed. And so they're like, okay, yeah, whatever you need, like, let's go. You know, y- it depends. Like, Then that's a good type of client, obviously. Yeah. You want that type. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, Fem. This has been fascinating for me and I hope for a lot of our listeners too especially one starting out in, in the freelance world or maybe thinking about getting into it. I feel like I have I have got a lot of homework to do now <laughs> to go <laughs> oh and no. start refining my process. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So where can people go to find all of our other episodes online? You can go to designlife.fm and you'll find all of our episodes there as well as our newsletter, which you can subscribe to. We send out a newsletter every Monday to let you know of the latest episode. 
please, if you are enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate it if you went on over to iTunes. It's The link to our show on iTunes is in the show notes. You can just click it from there and leave us a positive rating and review. It really helps people find our show and helps us get more people into the conversation, which is always awesome. And if you want to join the conversation more, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Design Life FM. And every week we sort of tweet out a few questions or run a poll. So it's a really great way to chat with other members of the creative community and get involved with the podcast. Yeah, we'd love to see you there. Thanks for the chat, Fem. Cool. Thanks for asking me all these very good questions. <laughs> see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.